You're listening to the Functional Sportsaholic on the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. TFS cuts through the BS of sports talk to give you unfiltered and authentic commentary. Now, join the sports talk revolution with your hosts, Sean and Sam. Yeah, buddy, it's a Friday fun day with the Functional Sportsaholic. You are listening to the Sports Revolution Episode 3. I'm here with my co-host Sam. Sam, say what's up. What up, what up? What up? If you're listening for the first time, just want to let you know we're authentic folks. We talk sports. We don't deal with the BS of the networks. We just want to get right into it today. So Sam, I have a little bit of a confession to make. What's up? Well, in our first two episodes, we started our week, uh, our weekly show off with a weekly rant, and we called it Fuck the Walk. But if I'm being honest, that sounded like a really desperate attempt for a cheap laugh. You know, the little play on words. What do you think about that? Yeah, shit, shit's kind of whack. It's, it's a little whack. So we've heard the feedback. We're going to change it. And ooh, when you hear these bells ringing, you know what that means, Sam? What is that? Oh, it's time for the rant. Hey, you, you mad, bro? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. You know what really grinds my gears? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Serenity now! Serenity now! Stop it! You blew it! That's two weeks' attention for you, bud. I'll see you at four. I am just gonna snap. So 538, I have a little beef with them. Um, I teased this at the end of the last show. Right before the start of the Warriors Rocket series, they came out with an article saying that the Rockets have a... 78% chance to beat the Warriors in the playoffs. Now, the issue that I have with that, it's not the the prediction, it's not even the percentage, it's the basis of the article itself, where they're really basing regular season performance and using that to predict a postseason outcome. Even if you're taking the performances of Steph Curry, and he was injured, right? And I know they're, they're probably taking out the injury, uh, the injured games, and you had Harden out for part of the year, and, and so on and so forth. Even when they normalize the data set, you're still getting an unmotivated Warriors team against a hungry Rockets team in the regular season. Yeah, I think the, um, I think the Warriors just haven't really given a shit this year, right. to be completely right. honest with you. Um, I think they are playing... To the finals. I don't think that... I think last year when they had... KD came over and it was kind of like a, a whole new rebirth of their team. It, it, they kind of had some of the same hunger they had from mm. the you know the season that, that they won uh, two years prior. And honestly, I think earlier in the year they were playing much better defense. I've seen them kind of slack off a little bit. Their rotations seem to be off um, quite a bit as well. I feel this year also they've had Steph Curry being out, like you said, um, was actually really good for them because I think it was able to give them some of their bench players. Uh, Quinn Cook came in and gave them some really good games, some really good minutes. But, you know, like I said earlier, they they just really haven't given a shit. Um, they, They care about the finals. Um, I feel like game four at home, um, they, uh, you know, they, they look sluggish all night. Um, I didn't watch the whole game. I kind of came in in the fourth quarter and I said, this is a really low scoring game for these two teams. 
both teams were in the lower 90s, and there was, you know, like four or five minutes left in the game. And I said, this is very strange for the Warriors at home, and this is also very strange for the Rockets. Um, and I feel like the, the turnovers are – it's just the careless play for mm. for the uh, Warriors is, is just uncharacteristic for them at this point in the year. Um, so I am thinking they will get their motivation back yeah. as they uh, – but I, I do think this will probably go seven. Um, but I do ultimately have them winning the whole thing. You know, and, and back to kind of regular season versus playoff um, expectations. You know, th- that to me shows how exceptional that 70, was it 72 and 10 Bulls team was? Yeah. This was after they won a number of finals together. And that was just a group of guys coming together and say, okay, you know, we ha- we're one of the best teams of all time, but let's really come together and make a commitment for the entire season to be the best team ever. And when the Warriors did that, what was it, two or three years ago? Whenever the, the LeBron... Uh, yeah, and, it was two years ago. Yeah. Fifteens. Yeah, when, when the Warriors tried to do that, they gassed themselves. Right. The Bulls did it. They kept it going all year, and they, they won the title. And that, to me, is, is fantastic. And is, is they, That is the best team of all time to me because they were able to sustain it for an 82-game season, and then keep it going in the playoffs. Yeah, and I also think that they knew it was kind of their last run. I feel like the Warriors, they think that they have, and they probably know, and they they all talk. I think they know they have a good collective time together. Mm. I felt like the Bulls, they knew, like, this was our time. It was going to be short-lived, and we're going to just go out, and, you know, Michael Jordan wasn't Mm going to go out like, like that, like a punk bitch. Like a punk. And, you know, they, they were just going to go for it. I feel like these teams, you know, now they kind of click it on and click it off. And sometimes it doesn't it doesn't work that way, the way that you think right. it would. Yeah, the Shaq and Kobe Lakers used to do that as well. And it worked out for them. But the, the, the model these days seems to be kind of, okay, let's lurch through the season it's 82 games. It's a long time. You know, LeBron played full season this season, but, you know, even some of the stars, LeBron in previous seasons and so on, they just they take nights off to keep their body fresh because really what they're worried about is, is the tournament at the end of the year, the playoff run. Very true. Yeah. And, you know, back to, uh, again, statistics, using regular season statistics for playoff performance. So anybody that watched the World Series last year will probably know what I'm talking about. And you know, we're, we're primarily an NBA and NFL show, is, uh, as our listeners know. We'll have my friend, the baseball degenerate on, Eric, my little friend Eric from New York. He'll be on to, uh, to give us some MLB commentary. But last year, for anybody who was watching the World Series, watching the Dodgers screw themselves night after night against the Astros, they pull their their starters are throwing gas outside of Darvish. Their starters are going throwing gas. They're they're going you know six innings. Astros can't figure anything out, and then they pull their starter so they can get to their bullpen because that's what the computers tell them to do. And look, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a mistake during the regular season. I'm not even saying that's an analytic mistake. What I'm saying is there's a different component that computers as of now have not accurately measured, and that's the effect of pressure situations and what kind of um, effect that has on the actual game. And when you're a pitcher, and it would be the same for a golfer in a a high-pressure situation with a two-foot putt, if you just have a hair of adrenaline going through your veins that's a little bit more than a regular season, 
If your chemistry is just off just a little bit, it can really royally screw things up. And that can be the difference between you know a slider hanging on the outside center part of the plate that can be driven over the fence. That can be the difference between you know a, a fastball that's just a little bit too far inside and it walks that ba- you know that batter, it walks the bases loaded. You can't assess what pressure does to people running computations. And keep in mind, guys, this is from somebody who runs statistical reports to forecast sports and, and the gold standard sports forecast and, you know, functional, as in mathematical functional sportsaholic. It's a pun. We like our math, but we want to make sure it's math based in solid foundation. Well, to piggyback that a little bit, I'm, I'm, I'm for analytics in sports, but the human component mm-hmm. is big. You know, momentum is real. Um, you can feel it. You can feel it. There's a certain, you know, a certain feeling that comes along with momentum when you're playing a game or when somebody get, gets hot. or the confidence. Yeah, it's the confidence. It's the camaraderie. Like, that's all things that you cannot compute and put into a stat. It's like when we used to play basketball in the schoolyard back in the day. And there's a, ring, there's a reason they call me Fingers Malone. Whew. Fingers Malone. Sweetest jump shot in the 407. Steph Curry, you kidding me? No. No, 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 no. Fingers Malone. What I used to do, I used to get the pass, I'd be on the wing, and I'd put that three-point up, and I'd leave the hand up there, and just wave the fingers in the air. Fingers Malone, swish. Yeah, there's no one that could beat us on an eight-foot rim. No way. And I could even almost, on an eight-foot rim, almost touch the rim back then. <laughs> so, so, no, but, like, you know, momentum, seriously. Like, the, the confidence level... Um, what was it? Was it NBA Jam back in the day when you used to get that that red hot fire? He's on fire. Down. He's yeah. on fire. Yeah, you yeah. go down and you just like dunk it from Boom, the half court. Boom shakalaka. Yeah, there you go. And, and seriously though, you know, applying that into sports. I mean, there was that there was that Jordan game against the Trailblazers you know, back in the early '90s when he kind of shrugged. He put his hands up. And it's because you know when you're feeling it, you're feeling it. You can put it in from anywhere. And you know, your, your statistics will say, well, you know, he's most likely going to hit four out of 10 three-pointers if he's a really good three-point shot. Well, there are some games that you're going to hit seven out of 10, nine out of 10, 10 out of 10. And there's some games that you're going to hit one out of 10. And measurables are great, but what separates the truly great players, and going back to baseball, let's talk Derek Jeter, you know, versus A-Rod, for example. Derek Jeter didn't elevate his play in the big situations. He just didn't degrade. So he was still a 300 hitter or wherever he was, but he would get he would get in there and he would be calm and he'd be able to execute just how he did in the regular season. And these statistics, like the the 78 percent for 538, you know, Houston, Houston's just assuming that I'm sorry, 538 is just assuming that Houston's going to come out with the same output, and that's just not going to be the case every time. Could it be the case this time? Yes, but I can tell you, I'm sick and tired of the the statistic engines out there always just assuming that the regular season output's going to be the same. Yeah, it's all mental. Yeah. I mean, and we we can sometimes control our you know, our mental functions, but a lot of times it, it's all on feel and it's how mm. we're doing that day and what's going on and what the flow is mm. and you you can't really put a you know, you you can't put that into a stat. There's a lot of stuff you can put into stats and what are people what are averages and what what do they normally do in this situation? And you can run all those numbers, but you, you you can't put you can't put everything into a stat. You know who I think would be able to maybe the one person that would be able to consistently um, 
take their regular season output and I would say 100% of the time be able to put that same output out in the playoffs. RoboCop. Oh. Well, yeah. Yeah. Maybe Absolutely. Luke Skywalker. Maybe Darth Vader. Darth Vader might actually be better. Darth Vader would be better because yeah. he he can... He, he doesn't... He can control his feelings. He can't... Well, sometimes. I mean, sometimes. Sometimes he gets very passionate well, and about he can't his son. control... About his son, he does. Yeah, his, his kids. And who doesn't get a little warm and fuzzy about their kids? Sure. Or a little pissed off from time to time. Yeah, exactly. If there's one person that can bring it out in you, either mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. it's going to be your fucking kids. Yeah, your kids. True that. True that. True that. All right, so that's the it for the rants. Let's move on. We have some NBA. We have some NFL... I think with the NFL, I'm going to start with this. Uh, for anybody who's been paying attention this week and for maybe the last you know season to two seasons of NFL football, there's been a little bit of hubbub about the national anthem. Am I surprising anybody no. right now? Have you heard of any controversy surrounding the national anthem? What's that? The, well, the con- let me let me fill you in. There are some people, Sam, that will not stand for the national anthem. Sheesh. That is correct. They won't stand. Can you believe that? What? What are they doing? I haven't heard this. I know. I'm blowing your mind right now. I'm blowing everybody's minds out there. But try, if you're behind the wheel, if you're on a train, if you're in an office, contain yourselves. I know you haven't heard this anywhere else. You have not heard this. But this the is, Functional Sports... Yeah, this Functional Sportsaholic is breaking a news story for you right now. Some people have not stood for the national anthem. Mic drop. Pick up the mic. Let's keep going. So uh, the NFL released a new uh, new rule uh, for for this season and going forward. It's you know you don't have to stand for the national anthem. However, if you're not going to stand, you have to stay in the locker room for the national anthem. So Sam, what are your thoughts? You know, I I I get I get the whole stance and everything, mm-hmm. and I, I I I'm I am torn over mm-hmm. this a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Part of me wants to just be like, who gives a shit? Right. And then part of me is like, well, they are trying to serve their their customers. Right. And there are a lot of people that do feel a certain way about right. players standing for the national anthem and playing the national anthem. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I even am conflicted. Do we still do we still need to do that? Right. Do we still have to do that? I know it's been tradition. I know it's something we have done. But is it something we necessarily need to still do? Right. Um, I feel like it's been, you know, it's been controversial in in a few different sports. We've had, um, you know, in, in basketball, we've we've had that back in the '90s where uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf used to. Yeah. Um, what did he do? He, I think uh, he peaceful. I think he did. It, he I think he was praying. If I'm yeah, if I'm he, not mistaken, he would do he the would, praying yeah. thing. Um, but. So we've had different things. I think, and that, that was out of that was out of a religious um, a religious belief of not right. you know putting the flag above above God. Which is, by the way, if you're a religious person, saluting the flag and praying, or, believe it or not, are not the same thing. Even though right. we like to combine those as a society, they are two separate things. But again, you know, we don't get political and religious necessarily here. But just kind of laying that out there. Yeah, I kind of feel like it's almost like the Pledge of Allegiance in schools. You right. know, they, they still do that. Right. And I kind of feel like, is it is it something that we still need to do? Yeah. Or is it not? I feel like there's great things in it, but does it put certain people off 
Um, you know, like yeah. it's it's a very touchy I, subject. And so, so we went to school when we were going to school. It was during the first Gulf War. We right. were in elementary school, and, it, right. and Sam and I again for for our listeners. Uh, we both grew up in Orlando, in the Orlando area. We went to the same high school and everything, but we went to different elementary schools. We didn't yeah. know each other better. Yeah. So I don't know what your experience was, but while the Gulf War was going on, they pl- they played the national anthem, of course, and they played the uh, and you had to do the Pledge of Allegiance. So they did both of those every morning. You you were spending about four or five minutes doing national anthem over tape recording back then. Yeah. Over cassette tape, right? They would play. Yeah. They would play the song, and then you would you would you know stand and you would recite the um, Pledge of Allegiance. Right. Well, during wartime, they started on Fridays playing "God Bless the USA." That was a new song. God from the lakes of Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, they used to play that on Fridays. I'm like, oh man, and like you know, I would get into it too. I mean, I was like, you know, I was getting saying, your GI Joe shit on. Yeah, I was. Getting, I was. I was ready. I was ready, ready to go to the desert and, and fight. Right. Okay. And then. Couple weeks go by, and they started playing the song every day. And so I was starting my day with "God Bless the USA," the national anthem, and the Pledge of Allegiance. And I found myself a little desensitized to the patriotism, to be honest with you. Man, that's a lot. That's a lot for a. That's a lot for, for a an elementary. Girl. And I'm thinking about I'm thinking about all these things, and you know, of course, the news. We weren't in the 24/7 news cycle at that point, not to, to where we are today. But I would go home and I would see the news and the news report. I mean, dun, 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 Baroka, you know, you're going to die tomorrow, you know. And, you know, I'd get, I remember going to see my mom. My mom, like, oh, I'm really scared. I'm scared of what I I'm scared of that. My mom's like, I'm scared too. And then, jeez. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was heavy. Uh, I know you're real heavy. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's scared of everything. She's scared yeah. of water. I mean, she's yeah. scared of everything. So, yeah, anyway, the, the, the point is like, it, 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 is a little bit desensitized. So I think the what you were kind of getting towards is, you know, in today's society, you can kind of see where the younger generation, and maybe especially a generation uh, or a segment of that population that feels oppressed, they see that as a platform and something that they can use to further their platform. And I think maybe some of the older generation, and certainly some of the younger generation that you know, or the people in our armed services, um, you know, God bless their service, but they feel a little bit disrespected, which I can completely see that um, that side of the things too. But for me, there's two points. One is regardless of what you think the law should be, the reality is they do have a legal right to do this, right? They have a legal right, and you might not like it, you might not respect it, but the fact is, if somebody doesn't respect your lifestyle or how you choose to live, if you are, you know, pro or anti-gun, you know, one side or the other side thinks the other side's completely wrong, right? But you both have a right to an opinion. And, you know, the Kaepernick, everybody who, who decided not to stand and, and use that as a platform, again, you don't have to agree with that. But the fact is, we're Americans, and if you respect America— then by definition, you should respect their right to do that. You might not like it. I don't like when people burn the United States flag. However, I do understand that we don't necessarily have to shoot them because if we did have that kind of society, we would not be American, right? The other the other side of this is, you know, I'm a businessman. Sam, you're, you've got a great career. I mean, we're, we're both, you know, in, a, in you know, higher, mid-level, upper management, whatever you want to call it. But... As a business person, if I have somebody making these waves like a Kaepernick, screw them. 
I, I don't I don't want that negative publicity. I'm running a business. I have sponsors that I have to worry about. I have money coming in. I have not only NFL players paychecks that hinge on this. I have like, you know, people that paint the field. I have concession stands people. I have a lot of employees outside of the 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 50 60 man roster week to week outside of the coaching staff that keep this operation running. And this is, you know, a billion multi-billion dollar company. I think the Panthers just sold for 2.2 billion dollars. That's a business. And as a business owner, we have the right to say, "Okay, those that's your stance. I'm cool with that." Or, "Hey, you know, you might, you know, have a lifestyle. You want to go out, um, you know, to raves or something. That's great. If you're not showing up on Monday morning ready to go for the presentation, I'm not cool with that." We have the right to not hire somebody, and that's not collusion. That's making a business decision, right? And you know, in in a business or a professional setting, you know, where I work, um, you can't have visible tattoos. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. that's part of our dress code. Yeah, whatever you do in your personal life, you can be sleeved up, whatever you want. Like that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But when you come to work, you are supposed to have them covered. If you went and got a face tat. During the weekend, because you wanted to express yourself and get a face tat, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But the company I work for has every right to say, you no longer work here because right. you are not in dress code. So there are things that you need to follow in a business. And if he doesn't want to stand and that's his thing, totally fine. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't give you, you don't automatically get the right to do whatever you want to express yourself yeah. if the business that you're working for and paying you handsomely for requires that you wear a certain type of uniform, right? You know, show up for press junkets, mm-hmm. be in a dress code or something on the. I don't know what the NFL if they have a dress code like to show up to the games. I know the NBA does. You have to mm-hmm. have a certain type of dress code. But if they require all those things of you and you have no problem doing those, yeah. Then company policy is you need to stand for the national anthem. Then they have every right to say you're not in conjunction with our policy and we are not going to have you on our. Right. And, you know, Cap- speaking about Kaepernick specifically, and I know there's a lot of a lot of different players that did this. And Kaepernick you know, was the per- first person to, to kind of stick his neck out there and do it. And I'll say this about Kaepernick is I respect that he knew that this backlash was going to come and he knew it was going to affect his career. Um, or at least he had a pretty good idea that it right. would. And he still took a stand, and I, I you right. know, part of me really respects that because he is he has lost hundreds of the, hundreds of thousands, if yeah. not millions of dollars as a result of result of this decision. He might never get on a roster again, but the counter again, you know, the counter um, to that is if let's just say in a world where Tom Tom Brady decided he didn't want to stand for the national anthem, I have a feeling Tom Brady's getting a job. If he's effective, if Kaepernick is, I know everybody wants to think that Kaepernick is because he went to the Super Bowl with the 49ers under Harbaugh's leadership, right? Everybody wants to think that Kaepernick is every bit as good as, say, Russell Wilson. It's just not true. He's not an effective quarterback. And if he was a Pro Bowl or an elite quarterback, he would be on a roster somewhere, regardless of his political stance. So again, I mean, this is, there's, a, there's a lot of things that we can talk about at this. But the bottom line is the NFL is a business and it's going to do what it wants to do from a business perspective. I do think it's funny that, you know, after 
Goodell and and everybody, you know, Jerry Jones comes out and stands, you know, arm in arm with his players. And then in the next week, you know, Papa John, <laughs> Papa John came out and said, well, well, Jerry, I'm losing sales because, you know, all of my pizza eaters don't like the NFL and they see my, my face with J.J. Watt and Peyton Manning every week. So stop standing. And then, then Jerry Jones comes out and he's like, oh, I'm against it. I'm, of course I'm, you know. So, you know, these these guys, of course, these owners are hypocritical. I think I don't think anybody listening to the show would disagree with that. They're all chasing money. It is kind of, to me, you know, f- taking a step back, amusing that this this whole story came out. But it's a money grab, and it's it's going to continue to be a money grab because that's what sports is these days. Yeah, and you're right. If if Colin Kaepernick was an elite starter, people would put up with this, right? But they're not going to put up for it with it for a third string, right? Like, do Even I believe backup, he's yeah. still a NFL quarterback? Yeah, I mean, we have some guys in the yeah. NFL that yeah. Like, how long did Rex Grossman hang around? How long did... C.J. Beathard for the 49ers got, like, a five starts or something like that last yeah, year. Yeah, so, like, do I think, like, he's better? I mean, is he is he NFL worthy? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But these teams are thinking, do I really want to have all this scrutiny mm-hmm. and have all this media and have all this stuff for a second or a third Yeah, and the, Seahaw- draft, the Seahawks know. have brought yeah. him in two years in a row now. And they basically just want his assurances that he's not going to make waves and cost him sponsorship. Right. And to Kaepernick's credit, he says, nah, no, I, I'm not really comfortable making those kinds of promises to you. And that's fine. But again, that's their decision. They would, they would, they're willing to hire you. They just don't want you to cost them money. And that's, as a business owner, that's kind of what it is, you know? Yep. Yep. All right. So I want to transition now to Des Bryant, who is still a free agent. And I, I think this is. This is funny. So uh, anybody who listened to our first episode knows that I grew up a very, very rabid Washington Redskins fan. And again, anybody who listened to that same episode knows that I'm estranged. We have our marriage has hit a rough patch. I haven't filed for divorce yet, but I have moved out. I'm not happy. I'm not seeing anybody else yet. I'm not really sure if I want to make that commitment. But there is a young lady at work that I'm interested in. And her name is Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Aaron Rodgers, that okay. bearded. Okay, maybe not a woman. Maybe a gold pants wearing stud. Aaron yeah, but Rodgers. isn't he talking to Danica Patrick? Danica, I can deal with that. Okay. Three is not a crowd in this situation. Okay. All right. Yeah, but seriously, I'm not all in. I, I've been rooting for the Packers, um, kind of, you know, for, from afar for a while, just because I, I liked the way Aaron Rodgers handled himself during the Brett Favre thing, and I was in on him early. But yeah, being an ex Redskins fan, I don't know that I've necessarily lost all of the animosity um, from the Cowboys. So I'm going to I'm gonna pull an audible here. I'm actually going to defend Des Bryant and say, why did it take so long for the Cowboys to decide to release him? If they wanted to release him for, the, for you know, salary cut, they could have declared him as a post-June 1 cut a while ago. They ended up getting rid of him because they didn't want the drama, but it took them... It, it's like Jerry Jones was having problem moving on in a relationship himself. It's like, I, I think he, maybe he was warring at himself, um, warring with himself about, you know, I, I'm loyal to Des, I believe in him, but it's probably better for the team if we move on, addition to by subtract, subtraction and all that stuff. But Des Bryant missed his chance on a free agency period. And a free, agent period, a free agency period, I might add, where Sammy Watkins, after a bad season with the Rams, well, maybe not bad, but it certainly wasn't, you know, wide receiver one uh, caliber season, um moved on and got big money in Kansas City. Bryant would have, you know, Baltimore was was looking for receivers during free agency. 
he would have had high value, high money opportunities if he was out there available with everybody else. If they did, like if he was going to be a free eight, like if this was free agency period for mm-hmm. him and they just waited until like, that's kind of, kind of messed up. It's kind of screwed up. Like, yeah. And unless there's stuff we don't know about that well, could come out later. And, but I kind of feel like just to save face, they would let us know something happened. You know, and, you and, know? and believe me, somebody who has just kind of a predisposition to not like anything Dallas related. You know, I I would actually kind of chuckle if there was some some off the field stuff, some recent stuff. There's been stuff in the past, but it by all accounts, you know, does Brian outside of his kind of tantrum bursts that he that he throws on the sidelines, by all accounts, he's a pretty good teammate. Yeah. And you know, I know there's there's pressure. He's always kind of putting pressure on on Dak to throw him the ball, but you know that kind of happens with wide receivers around the league. That's kind of like one of the normal things. And you know, Des Bryant really hasn't produced since Romo was there. Romo was able to get him the ball, and he was producing under Romo, and he just hasn't under Prescott. And so, you know, I don't think anybody would disagree with the move, and I don't think anybody in the in the national media did. But now Bryant is in a situation where he's chasing a one-year contract. People are trying to offer him two or three-year for for them kind of you know bargain contracts because he's available and. You know, it's it's like you know when a car dealer sees somebody who who needs a car, they'll come in and they'll be like, well, you know, here's uh, here's the sticker price, but I'm going to add an extra couple thousand dollars because you know they, they see blood. And I think you know some, somewhat you know an opportune general manager is probably doing the same thing with Des. And Des and his people are saying, no, I want I want a one year deal. I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to reach free agency next year and get a multi year deal. But again, you know now. We're in a situation where, you know, Jason Witten comes out and says, oh, he's going to be, he'd be a perfect fit for Green Bay, which doesn't make any sense if anybody, you know, this is why players really shouldn't be GMs. They really have no, no real idea of of inner workings of teams. The the Packers are very unlikely to sign him. The Giants was another rumored thing. Giants, the Mara family, very unlikely to sign another receiver that could possibly bring drama. And similar to the Kaepernick, you know, political situation, you kind of reap what you sow. And if you create a reputation, you're kind of living with that reputation. Very true. I mean, the you know the the prototypical receiver mm. is still out there. They're very flamboyant. Right. They're very you know, and it's sometimes what you love about them. However, it's the stuff that drives you crazy. And yeah. I'm sure you know after a while, these guys wear out their welcomes. Yeah. Usually in most places. Yeah, passion. It's one thing to be passionate, but you have to be controlled, uh, you know, as you go through. And and Brian, even if he's, even if he's not, and I've, I've I think I've heard Romo actually come out and say, you know, when he when he's when he's screaming on the sideline, it's not that he's ranting and he's not he's asking he's not asking for the ball. It's that he's trying to rile the team up and, and trying to get them to perform. But the problem is the optics are bad. You know, you see you see him kind of going, you see him kind of screaming. People think, oh gosh, he's being he's being a bad teammate. He's putting himself above the team because he wants the ball. And that's what that's what general managers, that's what other coaches are seeing. And whether or not it's true or not, you know, for everybody, you know, anybody who's listening, for me, for Sam, for everybody, if the if the optics are bad, then sometimes perception's reality. All right, so I want to flip over to the NBA now. Sam, we have a couple of things in the NBA. Um, I would like to start with a little a little LeBron legacy. And he threw another huge, huge game up in game four. 
and he's fantastic. The one thing I want to ask everybody in the world right now to do is stop saying that X player is as good as LeBron. Stephon Curry, everybody, Stephon Curry, great player. He's not as good as LeBron. James Harden, everybody, I love James Harden. I've, oh, Sam, I've always loved James Harden, right? Since very he broke his year. Very true. He's not as good as LeBron. Yeah, Kevin Durant. Kevin not Durant. As good as LeBron. Love Kevin Durant. Not even close. Yeah, I mean, the skill set and everything that LeBron brings to the table, like how he's able to get these teams in these positions is basically just his play. I mean, we are we are witnessing something we've never seen. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say we'll never see again because we kind of do that, but he is such a specimen and such a different type mm-hmm. of player, how he's able to get everyone involved, how he's able to continue to still dominate the game in his 15th season going this deep into the playoffs and he's what 33 33 33 years old so he's in physical prime standards and yeah he he might be aging a little bit in dog years because he came out in high school so he's long years right but he might have another i mean it's it's with lebron and his body type he might have another seven years i honestly think so the way he says he spends about a million dollars a year on his body Mm. Um, it obviously shows. I mean, he, I spend about a million um, rubles a year on my body. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So he, uh, you know, um, it definitely, <laughs> he, he, he definitely is still in prime shape, and he's he's very smart. Mm. He picks and chooses intelligent. And, yeah, and he knows when to conserve energy mm-hmm. and when not to. And honestly, he's playing on a team where he has no choice but to take some breaks in between stuff because he's carrying the load so much on an offensive. What what drives me a little crazy about and you know at this point you know this is, to, to our point earlier Durant Harden you know the the heavy hitters of the NBA outside of, outside of LeBron it's it, LeBron's not in a who's the best player of 2018 discussion LeBron's in a is he better than Jordan or not discussion? I mean, let's be real about this. And you can say, you know, Wilt Chamberlain, you can name older player, you can say whatever you want to say, but the reality... I hate that, by the way. Yeah, I know, I know. And I'm sure we'll get into that. But the... Okay, so I remember, um, you know, I probably started watching basketball in maybe the the late 80s, early 90s when I was just old enough to really start watching TV. And my team back then, it was before the Magic even existed. My team back then was the Celtics. I kind of inherited them. And Larry Bird... You know, back then was the physical specimen, if you can believe that. Right. Right. I mean, right. You, you, you know, people, you know, young people watching today, they don't understand. Larry Bird was the physical specimen, and Magic Johnson. Those were right. the two, right? Right. And Larry Bird was how was he six ten, six eleven something? He's a tall dude, and small four. Like would would you know shoot the three, but he could play. He was the versatile guy, but he wasn't playing guard. LeBron plays five positions. Yep. Five positions. And he can impact the game at five positions. At all five, yeah. He can lock down your best player, whether he's a center or a point guard. He is phenomenal. And when these people start talking about... I don't even know where the narrative comes from. You know, Stephon Curry is... He's really a leader on that all-star team. (laughs) You know, they have like three or four Hall of Famers on his team. Yeah, yeah. And Steph's unbelievable in his own right. He has changed the game. Yeah. Um... Almost for the worse, but because <laughs> not in yeah, a bad way, right, but right, like, right, you know, right. like you yeah. go to any high school now and these, <laughs> these little jerk offs are shooting 40 footers, you know, 
but you're not yeah. Steph Curry. I go play at the park or go to LA Fitness. Yeah. And, you know, I have to strangle these little fuckers every now and then because I'm like, you're not Steph Curry. Like, you know, it's okay to take a layup, you know? Like, like we're running a three-on-one. You don't need to shoot a 45-foot pull-up. Like, you know, like... It, it, and, you know, yeah. Steph is obviously in a class of his own, and right. not right. everybody can do that. And he's obviously put a lot of time and work, and, you know, um, there's also a special just skill there and a God-given ability to be able to play like that. Um, but LeBron is, you know, I him and Jordan, and I used to, I used to always just be like, no, it's Jordan. Yeah. There's never yeah. a better player than uh-huh. Jordan. I don't care what anyone says. And I used to say this about LeBron even up to maybe a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah. But the fact that this guy is it's still Yeah, it's A, you know, it's one and one A. Like yeah. it's yep. really, really close and they're very interchangeable. I think Jordan changed the game in right. so many ways and was such an iconic figure. Yeah. And changed it the fashion and mm. you know basketball sneakers and all that stuff became such a hot commodity because of Jordan. Yeah. So he changed everything. He became a global icon. Mm-hmm. LeBron, basketball player, if there's a definition of uh, all-around best basketball player, I think you have to put LeBron James because there is nobody else that can, imp- like you said, impact all five positions. A guy who can dribble the ball up the court and then post up your center. Yeah. In the, the same possession, and the teams that LeBron have, you know, has led to the playoffs. And for I don't think truly. I mean, if 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 you're measuring player based on team output, I mean, Jordan is six and zero in finals. You know, there's Jordan is a hundred percent in finals. LeBron's never going to get there. Even if LeBron makes you know five, ten more finals, he's always going to have that argument against him as he wasn't perfect. But the fact is, Jordan's worst team, truly, maybe even the worst Bulls team, would probably beat LeBron's team because LeBron's team sucks. Let's be real about this. Like, they suck. They're not good. Like, it's LeBron and a bunch of dudes from LA Fitness at this point. Yeah, and part of that is because he's gotten all his buddies' contracts. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. So, like, if he ever complains that he doesn't have enough help, like, part of that is because all your boys on the team are represented well, by say, your agent and your quote-unquote agency. Um, so we, you overpaid Tristan Thompson, you overpaid right. J.R. Smith, these ridiculous contracts. So you're having to take this load yeah. because they can't get you shit else. Yeah, and I'll say this, LeBron the GM versus Michael Jordan the GM, Not neither one has a, has a very fantastic <laughs> resume. No. No, I'll take Jordan the GM over LeBron the GM. LeBron, yeah. is, LeBron makes dumb moves. Yeah, or tells his team to make dumb moves. It was just, you know. Yeah, he put not, he puts them in a position yeah. where they have no choice. And then and then he gets a little salty. I mean, personality wise, I don't care for LeBron's personality. It's a little dramatic and all that stuff. But again, output on the court, you know, you have to have that conversation. And in in our first episode, we had a we were playing a sports would you rather, and I asked Sam if he would rather, you know, if he was playing death. It was a Bill and Ted's two scenario. And he was playing death for his soul, and, and he was coaching the team, and he was down to the last two picks, and he had he needed a point guard. Would he pick a present-day uh, Russell Westbrook or a present-day John Stockton? And, you know, Sam picked John Stockton. We had some fun with that discussion. But, you know, the, the truth is if we were picking a five-on-five tournament and we needed, um, let's just say, a shooting guard. We needed a shooting guard. We were down to that, and we could choose 
um, Jordan or LeBron. The fact is, I would make that pick based on who I already have on my roster. I wouldn't just pick Jordan. I would pick, you know, if I had Kobe on my roster, I would pick LeBron. Yeah, I because had, yeah. LeBron is a facilitator. Yep. Like he can work in any any system, any offense, anywhere. Yeah, he's. I mean, he is the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Like best all around basketball player. Now there's some other things where you know it's questionable. You know, sometimes I don't think he's got that. Like the fire, yeah, that fire, mm-hmm. like Jordan or like, the Black Mamba, yeah, yeah. Jordan and Kobe, uh-huh. and I think Kobe's was almost he played it into power, yeah, like he wanted it so bad, he wanted that Jordan fire yeah. so bad that he kind of talked himself into it. Mm-hmm. I think Jordan just had it. Jordan, Jordan just said, had it. "I'm gonna," and that's why I will always rank. If I had, like, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that if they played a one-on-one game, Jordan would win the very vast majority of those games. Like, if it was a, if it was again, it, not to be macabre or grim here, but you're gonna get a little bit of that with me. But like, let's say it's a play to the death game to eleven, right? Make it, take it. Jordan's gonna win that game every time. Jordan's gonna win, and you. If he had, if it was make it take it, you may not get the ball. Right, it might be eleven to zero. Yeah, like he's... as physically imposing and as physically gifted as LeBron is, and 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 LeBron, of course, he has the benefit of of today's science and today's you know body you know you know fitness and all that stuff, and that, and that does make a huge difference. Um, no matter what, Michael Jordan just has that that fire, and he has that killer mentality, and that's to me what separates the two. However, um, and that, and that's the thing, back to our statistic conversation from earlier, you're not going to be able to measure that mentality. You know, you might see, okay, Michael Jordan was good in the finals in the last four seconds of the game. You know, maybe he makes the right pass. You may, Maybe you can put some analytics behind that. But you can't look into the eyes of Jordan or you look into the eyes of LeBron and say, I'm going to take Jordan. If my life depends on it, I'm, I'm going to take Jordan. And, that, and that's the truth. That's the truth. So now we're going to swing it over to some NBA draft situation here. So I I talked about this again towards the end of last week. I wanted to bring it up. So we know the Phoenix Suns won the lottery. Uh, Sam and I are going to talk a little bit uh, about the draft. We do have a mock draft up on our website. Again, it's uh, functionalsportsaholic.com, just as you see it spelt on the uh, the podcast icon there. Um, You can also, Sam and I can talk about a lot of the stuff too throughout the week. You can follow us at uh, TFS underscore Sean or at TFS underscore Wally Balls, and you can find both our handles also on the website. But, Sam, what are your thoughts on the NBA draft thus far? Um, overall, I think it's going to be it's a pretty weak draft. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like there maybe is one or two um, potential franchise-changing players. Okay. Other than that, I feel like there's a lot of, eh, yeah. you know, maybe whatever. Um and I can tell this because everybody's putting a lot on Trey Young to be the next the next Steph Curry. He's not Steph Curry. <laughs> okay. Um, and Steph Curry wasn't the Steph Curry we know now when he came right. out of Davidson, but I think no, he was but still a lot. Even anybody who watched like the NCAA back then, like it, the, the the reason Steph Curry back then I think wasn't the Steph Curry of now is because people didn't realize how the game could be impacted by a deep shooting game. And Sam and I, again, you know, we, we talk about kind of our, our, our growing up in Orlando. The one thing that I always remember is when those old Magic teams played those old Charlotte Hornets teams, and Del Curry would just tear them apart. He would come in for three minutes and score 27 points because he hit nine three-pointers in like three <laughs> minutes. It was nuts. Yeah. And so, like, you know, I, I knew of Del Curry back then, and then, you know, I, I followed Steph throughout college, 
and the dude just made every shot. And I'm thinking, how can the NBA, like as a fan, right, not as an analyst or anything, I'm, I'm thinking, how can the NBA not figure out how to get somebody on the floor who shoots this well? And I always thought the same was kind of true of J.J. Redick back in the day, too. Yeah, and J.J. played his way in. J.J. could always score, but right. you got to be able to do a little, bit, a little more. bit more. Right. Um, and I feel like that's where Steph has... Has, yeah. He, he's different because Steph can facilitate. Steph mm-hmm. can, you know, um, he handles the ball really well. Um, I feel like... He is taller than people actually think he is. Mm-hmm. Um, Trey Young is pretty short, um, and some of that is tough. You know, Jimmer Fredette was a great scorer. Yeah, in college, I remember. Yeah, Jim, Jimmer Fredette can't guard anybody, and yeah. he's a liability on the floor. And his name's Jimmer. A, his name's Jimmer. Jimmer. Yeah, he's Jimmer's having a hell of a career in China, <laughs> mm, yeah. and you know, he's making more money in China than he would hey. ever make in the NBA. And God you know, him. there's a place for him. You could put the ball in the basket. There's a place for you in a nice check somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, in the world for you. Great for you. Um, the NBA is just a little bit different. So you know, Phoenix. You know, um, I don't know what they're going to do with the number one pick. Um, a lot has to play on this. Luka Donich guy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I like what, him a lot. What he's going to do. Um, he's 19, but he's been playing professional basketball for like three years. Mm-hmm. And he was just a EuroLeague MVP. He just won the championship. He's he's a really, really good player. Um, but he's also... You know I don't know is, if I'm going to come over. Yeah. You know who else is available that could be a potential number one pick? Both Ball Brothers. What do you think about that? The Latvian studs themselves. Trash. Trash? Absolute trash. <laughs> You know, um, Jello is real trash. The young one is never going to be good. I mean, he he might be good. I saw he put some pictures of him up playing at LA Fitness mm. and kind of dominating. I, dom- I hope so. I dominate at LA Fitness. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. I dominate at LA Fitness. I'm mid-30s and I dominate at LA Fitness. It's all about, you know, it, there's there's no out-of-bounds. The court's about 60 feet long. It, it's not that hard to dominate at LA Fitness, especially if you're 6'8". Um, you know, but no, the I don't even want to talk the ball, yeah, but yeah, there's yeah. trash. Okay. Um, and no one's going to want to deal with the dad. The only well, reason, you know, Lonzo, Lonzo is a good player. So, yeah. you know, but no other team is going to deal with the dad, much like we were talking about earlier. You're going to bring in all this media and all this crap for... You know the the twelfth player on your team, right? Right. No, yep. there's yep. there's so many other better it's players the in the world. Argument. You don't want the noise. Yeah, there's so many other b- better players in the world that you don't want to deal with that, and they only want to play for the Lakers. So like they're trying to call their shot. Like yeah. he's like, well, he wants to play with his brother. That's where we're gonna play. Yeah. Uh, when the <laughs> fuck did you get to start making rules? Like you don't get to pick yeah. where you go necessarily. Yeah. Um. I guess they were trying to talk it into existence. Um, other than that, I really like Bagley. I think yeah, Bagley I like is, uh, you know, obviously I'm a dookie. I, um, think, he, I think he's my favorite player um, just based on, you know, overall potential. I like um, I like Luka, but it's it's always one of those unknowns with, uh, you know, with the overseas players. You don't know if you're going to get a Paul Gasol. You don't know if you're going to get a Darko Milicic. Um, you know, both can look dominating. Both can look imposing. Now, Luca, I, I don't think it's probably fair to group him with with um, Darko. No, but a Ricky Rubio. Yeah, a Ricky yeah, Rubio sure. came over with 
tremendous uh-huh. upside. Mm. And Ricky Rubio has been a, a good NBA player. Yeah. In but fact, I don't think didn't he's he dominate, lived... Didn't he dominate Westbrook in this? No, I'm just kidding. He did. It's taken him a while. But yeah. the bad part, I think Rubio's had a, a great NBA career. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say great. He's had a good NBA yeah. career. Yeah, very. Very solid. Very good solid. player. But Maybe not what was the hype. Yeah, that was coming in. He was a top five pick, right? He right. Was, he was early. Maybe that, not that. Yeah, not and that, that was the year that they draft. You know, the Timberwolves drafted five seven, point guards. Yeah, and it was like seven point guards. They just wanted a roster full of point. They were actually on the cutting edge. They were looking for outside shooting and isolation play. <laughs> So yeah, they're looking for nothing but point guards. Maybe, maybe they were onto something. They were, they were onto something. Yeah, <laughs> although none of those guys are still in the league. Mm-hmm. Except um, for Ricky, 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 Johnny Flynn's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nicolaitis will be back in the league. Ooh, That's teaser. my guy. Um, so, but other than that, they yeah. they drafted a ton of um, point, point guards. That was weird. That was a weird year. I remember yeah, that. I think it was. He was like a hockey guy or something like that. And he was like a hockey GM, and they like plugged him in. The but. NBA, the business of the NBA is so perplexing to me. Is they'll, David, they'll, David they'll, Kahn? I still remember his name. They'll they'll like they're they'll the NBA will do one of a couple things. They'll either take somebody who just retired as a player and say, "Oh, let's give you the operations of a, of an NBA franchise. Let's take take the wheel. You, our billion dollar company, or a hundred, you know, five hundred to a billion dollar company. Why don't you take the wheel?" Um, you have no experience, but you used to play play a sport, so we're going to let let you do that. It's and and coaching too. It's like okay, maybe have some experience before you do all this stuff. Yeah. Very weird to me. Very it weird. is very weird. You know, Chauncey Billups. They almost gave him the GM of the Cavs last summer, and I was like, what What does Chauncey Billups know about running an NFL uh, an NBA team? Yeah, like, can he played on an NBA team a few times? Does you know? he know about? Salary, salary caps cap. and yeah. you know all those things and dealing with other like and, and, and he seems like a smart guy neither well, one sure of us are, yeah yeah but it's just it like you know you don't you don't see apple being like hey man you've had an iphone for a while why don't you run our company <laughs> perfect yeah it's like dude like you know you got you got shareholders to worry about you know you have you have a lot of people that you know are going to be well, eating or, or paying a mortgage based the, on your decisions you know the wrong move can set your franchise back yeah. Yeah, a long time. And, like when you, you draft know. seven point guards in the first round, <laughs> very that's true. Can set you very backwards. True. It took them it took them a long time. They're still getting over that. Yeah. Back to this year though. So we got um, we got Luca. I like Bagley a lot. Um, Everyone likes Mo Bamba. I keep hearing a lot of things about Mo Bamba out of Texas. Well, he's got the best name. He does have a really good name. Solid. Ay, name. Ay, ay, Mo Bamba. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, he he. Uh, I don't know if. If he's, you know, I'm kind of scared about big guys in the NBA now oh, yeah. these days. Like, yeah. do you pick a traditional center? They, it's a dying breed. Like, I unless you're able to, unless you're able to pop that 18 foot J. Yeah. Like, you you really can't play on the floor. You right. Know? Like, and you got to be able to run. Yeah. You got to be able to run, uh, and you have to be able to guard on the perimeter. Yeah. Uh, because there are a lot of. Because they'll just stretch you. I mean, teams will play. Yeah. Teams will just go small on you and and, and neutralize you. I mean, the the. Um, uh, Philadelphia, seventy sixers. Yeah. No. Oh, Embiid. Yeah. So Embiid, it seems like a rare breed, but even then, like he he hasn't been a slam dunk. He's been injured. I mean, when he plays, he he looks like a difference maker. But when was the last big guy difference maker? Was it Dwight Howard? I mean, when was the last center or you know powerful? It would have to be Dwight in this that old school yeah. center back to the basket. He's the last. Yeah. And you saw that ended really quickly for him. Yeah. And um, and because he could never really develop a, a scoring move. 
Like he would get a lot of his points and clear it up because he could rebound like a monster. He can still rebound. And he would get a lot of those cleanup points and, you know, and, you know, cheap last cheap uh, layups or dunks fed to him because, you know, he's quite athletic. But it's not like he was just going to, like, take you like maybe Ewing did back in the day or Olajuwon where you'd, you know, be popping, like, like you're saying, an 18-foot jumper. Or, you know, he's not going to be hanging out on the three-point line um, just to space the thing out. And he's not, like, you know, going to be hitting trays. Like, he was never that kind of player. Right. And that used to really tick me off when I would watch him. I'd just be like... My gosh! Like, why can't you you spend all off season? You, you're obviously putting work in. Like, how can you not? How can you not develop a hook shot? <laughs> yeah, a hook yeah. shot, or 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 at least a twelve footer. Yeah, yeah. You know, like hit the, your free throws. Right, a twelve yeah. foot bank shot. Like, mm-hmm. you're the same size as Tim Duncan. There's yeah. no reason you can't develop a a, a ten foot banker. You know, and and ultimately, that's what pretty much besides that and his shitty attitude. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I've never seen somebody throw up so many fourteen and fourteen stat lines. <laughs> yeah. You know, like when you're getting fourteen rebounds, you just naturally you think you're going to get ten points just in putbacks when you're getting fourteen rebounds a game. How are you only scoring like four more points? I, I don't know. Anyway, that's I, I I made a I made a promise to myself today. I wasn't going to talk magic. Uh, and it's, I broke that promise. It's, <laughs> it's invertly about the magic. Yeah, 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 yeah. However, the magic have the uh, six pick, yeah. and they'll fuck it up. Hey, yeah, we know that <laughs> so, much. So uh, they probably will draft Trey Young. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Play the power forward. Yeah, they'll do something weird. Yeah, they have no plans. How do you feel about Michael Porter? Um, I feel like Michael Porter is another player that the Orlando Magic probably will look at to draft it's the not a favorable yeah i feel like i don't i'm not a fan of michael porter okay um i don't see when i look at him i feel like he and i could be totally wrong this is just body language and perception i think michael porter cares more about being in the nba than actually deserving to be in the nba Mm, um i feel he is He's a physical specimen. Um, he didn't really play at all this year. Um, I know he got hurt, right? And then I think came back for the tournament, but had a really bad game. Um, I don't want to judge him on that, but just stuff I've seen leading up to it. I, I have not, I have not been real impressed with Michael Porter. Um, like I said, I think this draft class is just very, very subpar. Is there anybody who's maybe under the radar? Maybe not getting the publicity that they should be getting from from your point of view. I think I think and and this might be my Duke bias, but I think I think a a guy like a Grayson Allen, mm-hmm. who obviously is a winner, can do a lot of different things on the court. I think if he got in the right system and he'll go to a team probably late in the first round, mm. mid second round, if he went on a Golden State. I could see him being a very good player in a system like that. If he went to uh, San Antonio, right. I could see him being a very good player in a system like that. And it's funny how that works out, how the how the mature organizations with you know smart leadership like a Kerr or a Popovich can just sit back in the late 20s and just pick whoever, whoever's there. And all of a sudden, you're going to have a Kawhi Leonard at your, you know, on your hands. Or, you know, like Golden State has uh, Draymond Green, you know. Yeah, who was a second round right. pick, and they also they grabbed Quinn Cook, who I've been screaming for years. Somebody give this kid a shot. Right, he's the G League MVP. He's a proven winner. He was a great player at Duke. He the kid just knows how to play, 
And I was screaming for years, somebody give this kid a chance. Mm. Steve Kerr gives him a chance. The kids come in and played for Curry and when he was out, mm-hmm. he's been unbelievable. Yeah. Like, so I think like smart leadership and knowing like, hey, can we get a guy that just wants to grind and yeah. play and isn't worried about being NBA player? And that reminds me a little bit. And I think there's there's maybe more of this than you, maybe we take this for granted in the NBA because we're, it's a star driven league, as you know. And we're always looking for the franchise changers in the first round. But do you remember when Jermaine O'Neal got drafted you know, in the 90s? I think he was out of high school at that yeah, point. Yeah, I want to say like 98 or something. Was it the Trailblazers that yeah. drafted? I yeah, think he was drafted by the Trailblazers. Yeah. And he never played. Yeah. And so everybody thought he was a bust. Eventually he goes over to Indiana and he's a monster for a while. And some of these guys, it's just, you know, they're young. You know, they don't even know how to be men yet. And they're given like, you know, the first rounders are guaranteed contracts. And they go and they have all this pressure put on them. They don't necessarily understand the work ethic of, you know, their whole lives they're dominating because they're playing a bunch of people at LA Fitness or wherever. Right. right. And then they get in the NBA and it's just like, oh gosh, I can't physically impose my will on people. I'm actually going to have to either develop a game or if it's somebody like, you know, we were talking JJ Redick where it's developing, you know, maybe ball handling skills Mm -hmm. or Dwight Howard developing a a mid-range jump shot, you know, to space the floor out. Sometimes it just takes kids a while. I didn't even figure life out until I was like 27. If I was an athlete, I wouldn't have been an athlete, you know? Right. And you mentioned Jermaine O'Neal. I think he had been on one airplane before he got drafted. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, you're taking, you know, 50 flights a year. Mm-hmm. Life comes at you really fast yeah. Yeah. in that situation. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, I was a fuck up at 19, mm-hmm. you know bouncing checks and stuff like that and i wasn't making any money imagine you know giving me well of course you're bouncing if you're not making any money how are you gonna pay your bills you gotta write the check (laughs) yeah i just figured yeah who writes checks anymore yeah right Um, but you know um yeah i i I would write a check and you know be like all right don't cash that until (laughs) you know so imagine me you know having millions and millions of dollars i knew i blew some dumb money on dumb shit that i no longer have anymore right and I wasn't touching any money at the time. You know, we used to live in a low-income yeah, housing. I remember. You know, apartment. Yeah. Fun yeah. times, but yeah. not, the, not the best apartment. <laughs> no, you know, but, you know, um, I bought a lot of crap back then that yeah. I'm like, and I wasn't touching any of that kind of money. Yeah, I can yeah. only imagine the stupid stuff I would do at 20 years old well, there, there, at, at, in, that, in that type of lifestyle. Yeah, and there's a reason why you, you see and you hear all these news articles um, and these stories about like people that are completely bankrupt. Like Latrell Sprewell, you know, there's a story of him living like on a houseboat because he can't live anymore. And this is years ago the story came out. And I remember at the end of his career, he wouldn't play for, what was it, like less than $15 million a year because he had to right. feed his... So he retired young when he right. had demand out there for yeah. eight figures. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to realize that these are young people. Even, you know, like I think Spreewell back then, he's in his early 30s. You're still not... These are these are men we're talking about. I'm talking to the men here. I mean, come on, guys. You you know it takes a while. I'm not even fully grown up yet. I was talking to my chiropractor because I'm old and I have to go to a chiropractor. I was talking to my chiropractor, and I think he's 47. And he tells me, he looks at me. And um, and I'm 36, so he's he's 11 years older, but 47 just sounds sounds so old. But I'm I'm pretty close to that point, you know. He looks at me, he's like, I'm gonna be honest with you. In my head, I'm still 16 years old, but when I look in the mirror, I'm 47, and you know my ankles crack and my back cracks and all that stuff. And you know 
to a certain extent, I don't think guys ever truly grow up. You know, they might repress some parts of their personality depending on who they're, who they're with or what they're doing or, you know, right. like we're in an office setting, like I, I'm functional in my career. You know, I'm not telling fart jokes all the time. Yeah, but then you and I get on the phone. Oh, and, yeah. And that's all we talk and, and we're 16 again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? and, and, and that's always going to be the case. And, and guys, I, you know, I can't speak for women, obviously, but guys have this thing where, you know, especially when you're with other guys, you make bad decisions. And that's why I think when we have our guys trips and we get our, our buddies together, that's why we only hang out for two or three days. Because if we hang out for two or three weeks, we might end up with that face tap that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, we definitely, I mean, it starts to get wild usually by the second, third night. Yeah. You know, it's like, all right. And then we're all yelling at each other. And yeah. It's just like, it, it gets really weird. And then we get home and it makes us appreciate home life a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, giving money to even a 30-year-old man who comes into the NBA, he's rich right away in his 20s, he still hasn't even figured out what real life is yet because he's been a millionaire for right. 10 or 15 years of his adult life. You don't really start figuring it out until the money starts drying up. And then you're like, oh gosh, you know, I can't afford, I can't afford to have, you know, four hammerhead sharks in an, an aquarium, you know, above, right. my, you know, behind, behind, in, you know, in the, in yeah, because it costs $20,000 a month to feed them and, and keep the, and there are clean. a lot of athletes that have hammerhead sharks in their bed frame. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, these, these are decisions that people make because they never really learn kind of life skills. And, and at 20, yeah. I would have had hammerheads. At 25, I would have hammerheads. <laughs> at 30, I probably would have hammerheads. Yeah. Now you, you know, got I, you maybe know, one great white now. Yeah, I might, you know, I might have a Mako. A Mako. <laughs> but however, you know. A reef shark. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's still very cool. But mm. you start to learn things and say, uh, you know, things cost certain upkeep, things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. You, you start know. to figure out. And it's the same reason why people that don't have money win the lottery mm -hmm. usually then go broke within a few yeah. years. Because if you're not used to having that or you haven't had the life lessons to learn how to, you know, right. be financially smart yeah. with your money, it, you know. And that's, that's a hard lesson to learn until you're in a situation. I was fortunate enough to go through... We mentioned we were living in Section 8 housing when we were younger. I was fortunate enough to not have money until, like, recently I've been able to actually, like, you know, buy food, you know. And, and it's, a, it's a lovely feeling, but, you know, knowing that, you know, I, I know how to budget. But right. it's, pr it's pretty reasonable to consider that other, you know, people that have always had – or, like, the, the, the children of rich parents that right. have always had, you know, crazy amounts of allowance. I used to hang out with them and drive me nuts – but the bottom line is when I was a kid, it would drive me crazy that they would always come to come to school in great clothes and, you know, they'd always have like 40 bucks in their wallet, which is like, you know, having $100,000 oh, yeah, back then. Yeah. And you, you go to the gas station and they would buy like all the Airheads and Twizzlers and everything that you would want. Um, it would drive me nuts, but I'm glad I didn't have those experiences because... You know, now I can can function a little bit better as yeah, an adult. Yeah, we were paying with pizza, you know, our senior year. We were paying with pizza by dumping out all our ashtrays, you know. Or like, or peer pressuring people to, to pay pizza, pay for pizza for, for us too, which, you know, I'm ashamed to admit happened on once or twice. Maybe we'll get into that story later, but that is certainly not a today's story. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. We'll probably ended on that. Yeah, yeah, we should end it. But you tie, tie in the loop um, back, you know. The, the stable organizations, the ones that can be patient with players, the ones that don't have to pay, you know, play these kids right away, tend to be able to develop these stars, um, and it works out that way. And maybe if if owners ownership was a little bit more 
um, understanding of a situation. And maybe if they, you know, gave coaches five years instead of three years, and this would go to the NFL or the NBA or anything, um, you know, maybe we would have more stars in our league. But like we've been saying all all along, it's a business, and it's hard to make. You know, as a leader of a business, it's hard to make a decision and put somebody in place where you're only, you know you know, getting 40 wins a year in the NBA, or maybe you're only getting eight games a year where you're stuck in that, you know, that mid-range, um, you know, you have to make some kind of decision and change the direction because you have to keep selling tickets and sponsorship. You have to fill those uh, those uh, corporate seats, you know, in the arena and in, in the stadium. Very so, true. Yep. All right, I think uh, we'll end it there. Um, so next week, thanks to everybody, of course, for listening. Please do hit up our website, functionalsportsaholic.com. Please do follow us on Twitter. Um, you know, I said last week, I say this every week, but we're an interactive show. If you have feedback, if you like something, tell us about it. If you don't like something, tell us about it. We're happy to change. That's why we are going with the Hell's Bells opening to the rant from now on. Next week, I'm sure we'll have a little bit more NBA, although the league is starting to sleep. I'll have an update on the Fantasy Football Almanac, the singular best resource for fantasy information you will ever freaking see. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to be talking some NBA, too. We're going to have uh, NBA Finals. Um, if not set, we're going to be close to it. So uh, listen in next week, and we will talk to you then. Later. Be good. Be good.